0: I know. I am too. I am I don't old, so.
1: know what we're going to talk about, but I'm really excited. I think it's just going to be. I like good. literally woke up and was less like. I sprung up and was like, I get to talk to Whitney today. This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity, created by the real life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season four of the podcast. Hi, I'm Rachel. My niece is scared of me now that I've shaved my head. I have a pinball machine in my room, and trail mix without cashews is seriously a gift from God.
2: Um, Hi, I'm Whitney. I can name all the presidents in order. I'm truly an 80-year-old woman inside. My love of puzzles, handcrafts, naps, and cats, and this last year has developed a true latte obsession within me.
0: Hi, I'm Janelle. I like to smell my dog's paws. People that play music on trails through a speaker are the worst, and I've mastered the art of green smoothie making. And we are your hosts of the True North Collective podcast.
1: Whitney, Whitney, you really are an 80-year-old woman at heart. Oh my God. I think that's why I just want to hug you and then never (laughs) let go. I'm like, just keep holding. (laughs)
2: It's so true. I don't know when it happened or if I've always been this way, but God bless. I love it.
1: I told people the other day,
0: my agenda being unemployed right now but I'm teaching cycling at like a a club and I was like oh the other day I went to the club but then I ran into Lori and we gabbed for about three hours and I don't know where the time went then I had a coffee day with Sue I was like oh god (laughs) who have I become (laughs) I love it
2: (laughs) the only sadness is that I spent six months unemployed just in the heart of COVID first time in my life unemployed I was like yeah you
0: can't do anything. Yeah.
2: Well, bummer. <clears throat> not
0: so live it. it up, girl. You know, I really have been. Okay, Rachel, yours just offended me. Why hey, don't you one? want cashews in your trail mix? Oh, I'm very allergic. I did <laughs> not know that? <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's reasonable.
1: <laughs> okay. every, literally every single trail mix that exists in the world and like most health food, anything has cashews in it. It's the worst. And so I found this bag of trail mix from, um, Costco and it has all the good stuff and no cashews, and it's just amazing. So I'm, ha- I'm happy for you, but that's a terrible mix of trail mix. Oh, wowie, wowie. I mean, I guess Wait, how do you know? Alive, so. Oh, just because no, it doesn't just because have, have cashews. cashews. That's the yeah. best part. Like well, all the other parts right. of drill mix <laughs> suck. Yes, yeah, to, to Whitney's. Oh, see, I, I mean, I guess I don't really know the difference because yeah. if I have the cashews, then I will be in trouble. a different story. Yeah. <laughs> so it's there. It's a different. Their, they're yeah. great in comparison, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so that's why. There you go. You and well, sure.
0: if the cashews touch other nuts, is that still no bueno for you?
1: Um, I haven't had an issue, so I'm gonna say it must be okay. Because I would guess that they have touched at some point. Okay, then yeah, you and I like, uh, are the
0: perfect pairing. I'll just eat your cashews, and you can eat your know, sure. garbage.
1: For sure. There's a girl
0: at the studio who um,
2: is just one of my favorite people her name is Madison and she is like deathly allergic to sesame seeds and every once in a while I'll forget and so I called her the other day and I was like hey I'm at Freshman getting some poke do you want anything she calls me back and says hey I am so sorry um thank you so much for the offer but it will kill me and I was like you don't have to apologize for your very deathly allergy but thank you for demonstrating how good looking you truly are I'm so sorry my allergy is inconveniencing you at this moment.
1: Dude, I had someone on my team who was allergic to grapes. And what do, like, anytime anyone brings food to any sort of meeting in the corporate world, there's always grapes. That's like a staple. And so every single time, and we would tell people, like, he has an EpiPen, like we can't have grapes in the room. They bring grapes and he was so sweet. He would just literally like move to the totally opposite side of the room. I was just like, dude, no, remove the grapes. Like get the grapes out. And we said no grapes. Yeah, it was crazy. Does
2: that make a wine? Does can you have wine? Or is that like
1: we're we're, oh we're God, all, I, don't, I need I really, to know. I really wish I had asked that question. I don't we think need to he call could. this person. I out. don't think he could. There was no oh raisins, God, no grapes. A, so I would have
2: no I feel badly about. That
1: is hurtful. I know. Didn't know it was a thing until I knew it was a thing. Yeah, there you go. That's life, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That is true. All the allergies. Just dairy mm-hmm. for me.
0: The people are like, is it a real allergy? I'm like, well, it depends on what kind of food. Because I will eat cheesecake and go down with the ship, but... <laughs> Yeah, just how much you're willing to pay for it. Yes, exactly. That's, that's exactly what I tell people. I'm like, it's gotta be worth it. Yeah. So,
2: like, should any of us really be having dairy, though? You know what I mean? Right.
0: You know, I'm of, I'm in that line of thought, but I mean, I do it. Like, I'll take down a cop's
2: malt just <laughs> hard. But you gotta be, so you gotta be in a certain radius of home. You know? Oh. <laughs> uh, it's, it's
1: but see, so that's the thing. Does is everybody have that reaction to it?
2: I'm sure in like a certain. I should.
1: Sure, I think there's like a threshold of quantity for anyone. Where you yeah, 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 yeah. Maps it out. Yeah. yeah, and a cop's a cop's. <laughs> God, God. Yeah, I mean, if you're
0: gonna do it, do it all the way. For sure. That's what I say. If I eat dairy, I'm like, we're eating all the dairy. <laughs> like, I'll just like consume that's it right. all because I'm like, I am going to be hurting anyway. But that's I'm how not I feel. Flirt with pain. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I will. Like, so Culver's, which there there are no Culver's in the state of California. It's Mm. really sad. So when I was driving back from Wisconsin to California, I made a point to stop at Culver's multiple times, specifically like right before I crossed the border. Because I'm like, they're not going to let me have Culver's, California. There's no options. Um, (laughs) But I wanted to have custard so bad. But when you're on a road trip, I'm like, oh, don't do it. Don't do it. So what? I didn't do it, but you can get cookie dough in a dish. They charge you like twenty five cents, and they'll just give you basically a dish full of cookie dough. So that's yeah. what how I did do you even, I How
1: did first. you discover that?
0: I think at one point because I love cookie dough and I can't really eat custard unless I want to be in a like that'll actually put me to bed. Like I will be in such an extreme amount of pain in their custard. Um, so I was just like is it Could I just like get some cookie now and then now they do it they just charge you for an extra topping and they put it
1: in a dish all you gotta do is ask apparently
0: uh, yeah I just eat it
1: and it's delicious it's like a major life lesson just yeah. ask that's, that's literally just, like, that's all you have to do like, is just ask
2: <laughs> that's also like road trips all bets are off man you can oh, yeah. do whatever you want that does not count my friend. Hell yeah totally
1: Yeah, I... Snacks on snacks on snacks. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: I think I've shared this before, but
0: on one of my legs, I bought gas station baloney. Don't say Baloney. Baloney. Oh! Oh. (laughs) And I had a jar of peanut butter. Oh, please not to put together.
2: (laughs) Jamel! My little spork, my little little multi-tool spork. Who hurt you as a child? I need to know what is wrong. Blink twice if you need help. It was
0: so good.
2: No, you know, that's a bridge <laughs> too far. Within. That's not okay.
1: No, this is a staple snack for her now. <laughs> okay, not bologna. Normally it's salami, but I couldn't find salami. So. Oh, okay. It's salami.
0: Because <laughs> that makes it better, yes. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah we've come out of the dumpster just to a regular trash can. Thank you so. exactly
0: that was the same like it was a rough leg that was like the dakotas in the lower part of minnesota and my phone was calling like people that i had gone on dates with before off of tinder randomly i was like that's not a i said i don't know what's going on there was some sort of basically oh yeah that was incorrect great part of the road trip (laughs) should we introduce whitney yeah Yeah. let's do it are they ready Rachel and I created the True North Collective back when we were in Milwaukee around the idea that we just wanted other people to come play with us as we had these in-depth conversations on authenticity and what it was like to take care of our bodies and how unique each one of us was and what the fuck we're all doing here. Like we really didn't know. We were searching for purpose. We were searching for meaning. We knew there had to be a different way to live and approach life and we wanted other people to come play and hear their perspectives from there, the TrueNearth Collective was created. Now we're just calling you all in. We have the podcast, but there's plenty of other ways that you can play with us from our monthly workshops, which are on the first Thursday of every month, focusing on a different facet of authenticity to the collective, which is our free community event where we just chat and we're fellow travelers with you on the third Thursday of each month. We're also starting to do unpacked episodes where we just invite anyone who wants to come play basically to come on the podcast and discuss a specific topic with us. We want you all there. So send us a DM on Instagram at the turn of collective underscore if you are willing and interested to come play. All right, let's jump back in. Born in Wisconsin, Whitney Abeni, she, her is a lifelong sports and fitness geek, indoor cycling instructor, as well as an experienced mentor to many new fitness professionals. She trains When not chasing her two cats, Whitney, a Marquette University alum, spends her days working with the Launch Boom team in e-commerce for a number of high-profile international marketing clients. Having survived two marathons, Whitney loves mentoring athletes at all levels and is outspoken on issues of racial justice, women's health, and has a Schitt's Creek addiction. More recently, she's become a proud River West Milwaukee homeowner. I'm reading this for the first time. So, I'm like, wait, what? Okay, that's amazing. And I will say, Whitney, just like, we're both so excited to have this conversation because Whitney has this just such like fun, light, like sarcastic, yet very entertaining presence to her. Um, and I feel like you don't take yourself yourself too seriously either. So I'm just really excited to like jump into this conversation and and have your energy here. So welcome Thanks. to the well, podcast actually, with me. I'm hearing that
2: intro for the first time because I did not write it. <laughs> oh, you uh, didn't? No, I, I asked my partner to write it for me. Um, I love that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, your partner's because, a good little writer here, a yeah, little uh, he, writer.
2: He has worked in politics for many, many years. <laughs> and he's like the king of a press release, so uh, this is so fucking amazing. amazing. i mean, you know, <laughs> like, that's not my skill set. Like, I tried. I was become, like, why is
1: she so awkward right now? Didn't she write this?
2: <laughs> oh, write it,
0: and I mean, you know, if I wrote it, it'd be like, well, "Hi, guys." <laughs> I really oh, wish what you what would've just. <laughs> I wish well, she would have just slid in there like and she has a really great ass or something I mean <laughs> I said. was like uh, you know it, was, oh it
2: would God. have been a little more MC-17 than that perhaps that's what I tell myself so <clears throat> you had to keep oh my it on gosh, that is amazing but yeah that, that was, was kind amazing. I'll definitely give him a big smooch later oh
0: okay can we can we hear about this partner of yours because I know nothing about Oh man. Yeah. Him. For, I've been
2: realizing that as for someone who um, is so open about so many things, I am like weirdly guarded about other things. Like you get to hear what you hear from me and then you hear absolutely nothing about other stuff. Um, let break it down on the podcast.
1: What, yeah. Right. Um, I have,
2: uh, I have the most absolutely incredible partner. Um, and uh, his name is mind his name is Brennan um and he actually is uh my older cousin Stefan who hopefully no none of my other cousins listen to this is my favorite cousin um he is my cousin Stefan's childhood best friend so like I've known him at the periphery of my life or basically my whole life um and we like crossed paths a couple years ago at actually my cousin's wedding in Spain and I just was in like a bad personal place at the time and my uncle like tried to like set us up to dance together and I just was like as big of a bitch as I possibly could have been like it wasn't even like there was no kindness to what I brought to that like 20 second dance it just was like very mean and rude um and so he and he's six foot seven but like very shy and so he just to me was like bye scary lady who I have thought you were kind of scary my whole life so bye forever And then we reconnected Thanksgiving um, of 2019 at my um, aunt and uncle's that we all, we had Thanksgiving dinner there. And I um, added him on Instagram afterwards. And I was like, if he sends me a message, then like, let's go girls. Um, And he did. And then we basically went like right into COVID. So we're basically like a lesbian couple. We like went on one date and moved in together. So
1: I just can't stop laughing I fucking love you so much (laughs) how do you not have your own show like I mean
2: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so it was like kind of crazy so we actually um we started talking to a new therapist a couple weeks ago and just like he and I both bring like enough baggage from like our personal lives but then to talk about our last year with this therapist she was like I'm not trying to say you like win shit that happened during COVID, but like, you're up there friends. Cause like we started dating, we basically like move, he moved in. I, um, got, I shouldn't say I got laid off from Kohl's. They basically were like, Hey, Whitney, here's like a fat severance package to never come back. Or you can like take a demotion. And I was like, I've hated you for eight years. I'm out. So mid February, I like now I'm un- unemployed. And then one month later, COVID hits, and I was like, right before COVID hit, I was like, I've never left Wisconsin. Let's go somewhere. Like, this is my chance to do something crazy and new. Let's move to Portland, Oregon. And Brennan's like, yeah. And then COVID hit and we're like, we should still try it, Um, which obviously did not go as planned. So we have moved cross country twice in 10 months, less than eight months. Um, And he is just like the ultimate trooper and cheerleader. And um, my God, I like, our therapist is like, it feels like you can get through anything. (laughs) And I was like, let's not test that theory. But like, I agree, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm gonna agree. But yeah, it's been a hell of a year. And he is a a hell of a partner, I will say. Um, And as someone who's been single, essentially, for like, the majority of the last decade, it's a bit of a left turn for me. I'm learning to compromise, guys.
0: I love it. Co-create. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm happy for you. Yeah. I think like I saw at some point somewhere on the internet and I was like, oh, I wonder who this person is. I so think you can. Yeah, going. I'll like post a random
2: picture and then retreat from
0: like any sort of context. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, Mm-mm, we're not gonna talk about it. Well, okay. That was a segue question just because I was genuinely oh. curious. But Let's dive into our standard line of questioning. (laughs) What does it look like to be Whitney today? Oh man, Um,
2: it it is sort of like balancing surviving on like a a day-to-day level and then trying to, within like the confines of what any of us can do, trying to like plan for some sort of future like Brendan's like comment about basically the life we're living at this point is like we're operating on the no plan, which is true, is like any of our, any of us operating on a good plan, but it's been definitely uh, my last year as a test of um, being okay with not having the ability to do like a 60, you know, 30, 60, 90 plan of my life, which... I do because it makes me feel more in control. So it's like settling into feeling okay with not always being in control. Yes. Preach. <laughs> gonna say, of, of the three of us, I'd say that's
0: maybe something we can all feel. Oh, yeah. People always, always are like, what's your plan? I'm like, eh. Huh? <laughs> There's none. Well, I don't know where I'm going to be in like two days not to give it all away, but like that's,
2: you know, that is the skill I learned in my 20s was essentially like so much of what we feel anxious about is how we're going to present our story to other people, you know? And so it's like, how do you choose to package your personal information in a way that's like comfortable for you, but also like, I don't want to say palatable for other people, but like, I always tell people when they're going through a life change, like figure out your narrative. And at the end of that narrative, you wrap it up with a bow. So those people don't get to ask you any more questions. And then you get to walk away from the conversation safe. And like they, in their like nosy Nelly way, feel satiated. You know what I mean? But yeah. So it's a lot of that. I just got a text again. I got another DM right before this. That was like, hey, I've been meaning to ask, like, are you back in Wisconsin? And it's like, yeah, let me tell this story again, you know, for you who's curious, not like for me who wants to share it. Dude, sorry, doing... just do an IGTV live. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm totally guilty of it. You know what I mean? Like, I want to no, like... know you like, oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Dude, I was gonna say, like, everything that you just said, like, that is just like period I I use different words but I really like I don't okay sorry bring reeling it in for myself I I feel very seen I feel very like oh my gosh I didn't know any I mean obviously other people feel that way I didn't know you felt that way um but that's been like a big part of me as I've wrestled with how do I share that I had cancer and like what right. that has meant for me today and how do you do that in a way that doesn't like freak people the fuck out but also is honoring of what was real for me like i have to like heroize myself to make other people feel better and then i get put in a position where i don't even have the capacity to be able to be a human it sucks and so i'm totally in that like how do i honor how do i figure out what my narrative is <clears throat> not in a way to spin it for anyone else And and that's just mine. It's like, how do I know what enough is to share that feels right for me without, you know, in a way that like feels right. I'm still figuring it out. But it's, um, that has been a huge, huge thing that I've been wrestling with for a long, long time.
2: Well, and it's like the idea of, um, we need to talk about stuff more. You know, like we need to do it because, we're just perpetuating this like secret shame if we don't, you know? And, but also like, it is so much of like, I don't feel uncomfortable. Like I'll talk about anything that's going on that's real in my life because I found so much so in my twenties that people actually like really wanted that from me. And if I wanted it from other people, I needed to be able to like be a willing participant in it. But like it is that idea of like, you don't want to make other people uncomfy, you know? And it's just like, okay, then like, if you're uncomfy, you can exit the conversation. Like I shouldn't have to edit what I'm feeling or saying or experiencing to like put it into your like appropriate conversation for the Spire lobby, you know?
1: Yeah. No, I, I feel that. And I definitely am like recognizing that when, I mean, I am really honest, like to probably, I would have said to a fault. Now I feel like it's a, it's a a gift to for the exactly the reasons that you're saying. Um, but it does. I mean, I've had a lot of people not just be uncomfortable, but like be a lot worse than that. And and to experience that, especially at a young age, it's really jarring. And and what I'm realizing now is that if I can build up the tolerance for people's discomfort, and we'll just call it that and like work through it, they do like the people do fall away that can't handle it. And that makes space for the people that can. And the people that can are so magical that it is like, I'm realizing that it's worth it for like the, let's call it, you know, the 30 minutes of discomfort for the ability to clear out. It's almost like it's a vetting system of like, you can't handle it. Cool. See you later. And uncomfortable. I can handle that. You're uncomfortable. I don't need to now sit with it forever, but now that you're cleared out, I can, other people are going to be attracted to this vibration and that's cool. So
0: we've Rachel and I've been talking about dating, but I feel like I do that on dates too. Like first dates, I'll just not like, not for shock and awe value, but like, I'll just be me right and I'll say stuff or I'll just be like is there food on my face or you know like I'll just go there because I'm like this is actually what it'd be like if you want to hang out with me long term and I love doing that and I'm still trying to figure out how to do it in other facets of my life because it feels very low stakes on the first date it's like whatever if you don't like me cool like go away but like how do you do that in the professional world how do you do that with I don't know, It's like reintroducing yourself to your family as you change or reintroducing yourself to people in your life that knew you before. Um, but it's hard, it's scary. It's super hard, but also
2: like, I try to remember that you need to, like, you don't know those people at all. A lot of them, let's say, like people on a first date, for example, like you don't know those people at all. So like, as you maybe got to know them better, you'd be like, oh, that pause wasn't, them being like freaked out. That pause was like them, you know, figuring out what to say next. Like I I can do it so well with Brennan now it's because we spend obviously all of our time together but like he does this thing where if we're having a serious conversation for him that information is gonna, I'm I'm basically gonna give get his information in like five bursts. You know, it's like the first one and then he's gonna like kind of calibrate what he said where to go and then he'll speak again he'll do it again you know so it's kind of like this pattern but at first my instinct was there's a break in the conversation now is my time to speak so like I was missing four out of the five things he wanted to say to me because I didn't know his patterns yet you know and so I like try to remember that it's much easier with people like you want to it's much more applicable in like the people you want to like continue to have in your life part you know but um yeah. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm trying to be kinder and softer and more like hold more space for, for other people and what they're going through, especially when talking about something for myself, because like, I'll say it to people all the time who are going through something like, and what I learned is that it isn't about me and what I'm going through. It's about that person seeing themselves through the lens of what I have just told them. So like, I got divorced at 27 and everyone I talked to in that age range was not judgmental that I got divorced at 27. They were then looking at their relationships through the lens of somebody just got divorced at 27. So whether it was um, fear that like I was going to infect them with something that was going to ruin their relationship or what I found more often than not was like a pretty intense jealousy that I had freed myself from something. And they were like, wow, is this like, can she provide me with a roadmap of how to do that? But it isn't like, no one gives a shit. You know what I mean? Like We don't actually give a shit about each other. Like we do on the surface, but like not in a way that like, no one is st- like, I remember changing my like my Facebook name back from my married name to my maiden name. I don't even want to say maiden name, like from my married name to my name. And like, nobody was like up at night, like, wow. Whitney changed her name back, huh? What a fucking failure, am I right? Like, nobody did that, you guys. I did it, but nobody else did it. They were like noted, scroll, 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 scroll. And we're done.
1: If it was even noted.
2: I mean, exactly. Like, let's not act like it's that earth shattering of news.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I love one. But to that exact point, when like you post something on social media and then you like see someone in real life and you're like, oh, you didn't see that. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but you're not following all of the things I do online and like paying attention to my life in such detail that I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, you're like, like, well, my... I'm
2: not going to, I'm not going to re-explain it. I already did to the internet. If you
0: <laughs> missed it. That's not you, boo. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, yeah. People don't care as much as we, we think they do. Um, I would love it. So we were going into this conversation basically around the topic of like fucking it up in your twenties and, you know, fucking it up lightly, whatever. Um, would you be willing to give some context you just started to around your journey in your twenties and what it looked like?
2: I would I would love
0: to. I was actually talking to a friend last night um, who
2: was one of my very, I mean, is still a very, very close friend, but was on the scene during that time frame. And she asked me, she's like, how do you feel about talking about that? And it's like, honestly, it doesn't feel like it happened to me. I feel like I like, am telling the story of like a very close friend, but it was me. Um, so I, I mean, t- to back it all the way up and provide some context. Um, I like, I wasn't a kid who had like, I I didn't want to be like a doctor or an astronaut or whatever. Like I wanted to be like, quote unquote, like normal and not that I was abnormal in any way, but my parents divorced, um, when I was young and I just like, I think I just wanted my, my, um, I don't really know my dad at all. Um, And he was quite old when I was born. He was 50. So like, I wanted this idea of like, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to like, I wanted to be on the scene for my kids' lives or whatever, uh, 12 year old things, who knows. But if you ask my um, best friend slash soulmate, if you ever, who's been my best friend since I was like 13, if you ask her, what did Whitney want to be when she grew up? She will say, uh, Whitney wanted to be happy. Like that was all the only thing I would ever say. And so for me, it became like you have to have this like normal standard life and trajectory. So and it kind of like whether or not that fits, that is what you do. So externally you are showing that like you're okay and things are fine. So <clears throat> I in my summer before my senior year of college, I um started dating this person and uh on first meeting him, like, I remember being like, this guy's fucking annoying. And, like, if you're not, for for context, okay, I am approaching 5'11", like, I am tall, and he was shorter than me, and I wanted to pretend, like, that didn't matter, but it fucking mattered to me, man. Like, it affected how I felt about myself at, like, a really raw age. I was, like, 20, turning 21. So, that kind of, like, weirdly not center to the story, but like weirdly off to the side was already providing this like sort of insecurity input for me always. Anyway. Okay. So we start dating and I am a kid. I'm 20, 21. I turned 21 and he's 25 and I had a year of college left and um I didn't know shit. You know what I mean? Like I like did not have any context of like growing up or being grown up. So we did everything he wanted to do, you know, like, cause he had the job and he made the money. And so basically like everything in our relationship was on his, um, on his like timelines, his interests, like it was all of what he wanted. So that sort of worked for a little until I started to grow up. And so we got married when I was 25 and I remember wanting to call off the wedding, um, like the week before, there had been like an incident where he like yelled, we got in a fight and he yelled and he like next to me was this oscillating fan and he like in his anger like punched it and not that I ever thought he would hurt me but like I just remember being like what am I doing? Like where, it was just like one of those moments that awakens you like of like what the fuck are you doing with me? Like what is happening? And I told my mom and my mom was essentially like you're fine cold feet like people get cold feet you know like and in my mind it was like this train is rolling and you stay on it like you don't call off a wedding a week before kid like you made your bed and now you lie in it so great wedding i will say i had a fucking fabulous wedding um just want to throw that out there i feel like charlotte in um sex in the city where she had like a terror or like a great first wedding terrible first marriage so there you go anyway um so things were fine for like the first bit of time and then it just like quickly became obvious to me that with a different ring on my finger and like a different title to my name or whatever like i was i there was a different set of expectations from my ex-husband like i was supposed to become like a wife whatever that meant like you guys i need you to know i hardly can care for myself like If Brennan doesn't make my meals, I will either not eat them or I'll like have a bowl of cereal. Like I am not domestic. This is not a thing that is true in my, and it has never been. I legitimately went to college not understanding that if you wanted to like cook a frozen chicken breast, you needed to thaw that chicken breast first, you guys. Okay. And that's nothing against my mom. She worked two jobs. She was a single mom. She carted us to all these activities. There was not time to do like the, I'm going to teach my kids to cook. Okay. So like there, there's no domestic goddess in this. And all of a sudden it was like, why aren't you like cooking dinner? Why aren't you doing this? Like, why are you, why do you still have guy friends? Why are you doing that with that person instead of with me? And it was just like, everything about me just felt, I just felt like the walls closing in closing in closing in. And we at one point went to therapy and my ex-husband was like, here are the things that Whitney does that I don't like. And my therapist. And I just remember being like, oh my God. And the therapist was like, you just named the most core things about Whitney. He was like, I I just don't get why she like has to be the center of attention. Like, I don't get why she like has to have all these friends. I don't get why she like needs to do this, that, or the other thing. And it was just like, okay. (laughs) Like, uh, so should I not breathe as well? Would you like me to take that also off the table? Um, and I just like, I mean, to to really boil it down, like I grew up and he did not like that. He liked a 21 year old, like more subservient version of me. And I, for a while was like content in making that work because I had set up this essentially like roadmap of what I deemed as failure. And I was unwilling to participate in it. Um, and then it just, it truly got to be too much. Like if you've ever, and I'm assuming that you two understand this concept, like, if you've ever felt the feeling of being alone, while always being surrounded by another person, it's a level of loneliness that is, like, it's soul-crushing, and also other weird stuff, like, he had, like, an alert on our phone, and this is, like, obviously, he felt me pulling away, so, like, he was trying to, like, essentially continue to keep arms around me, excuse me, like he had like an alert on our checking account where like basically if i spent over five dollars he would be alerted and there was one moment and i will never ever forget where he was like he called me after work and was like you got gas 30 minutes ago five minutes from home where are you and i was legitimately just sitting in a parking lot crying i was just like i'm just not ready to come home yet um that's when i got really good at running because all i was like i I'll I'll spend two hours running to not come home. Yeah, that's great. Um, but it just was like this very confusing. And then when we ended up splitting up, it was, um, well, first I should say, I essentially waited for someone to give me permission to, to divorce him. Like I waited for the therapist to be like, it's time to like activate an exit plan, which I'm sort of glad happened because I can identify that that happened and not do that in the future. Um, And like, talk to people about that too. Like you don't need permission. If you know, in your heart, you don't need like, because when we split up, like I, I mean, yeah, I was sad. I was embarrassed and, and all of those things, but like I had done my morning so long ago, I had spent like the last, Three months of my marriage, like just so unhappy. I went to the doctor at one point for my annual and she was like, you're 20 pounds lighter than you were when you were here last. Like what happened? And that to me also was like a moment of like, Oh my God, like I physically am hurting myself to like, hold on to what someone else's idea of what I should be doing. But so I, um, so we activated, uh, like a separation in January of whatever year it was. And I Um, I basically immediately started to like talk about it with anybody who would listen like I I was too tired to care that I was making them uncomfortable like I just was I was so so fucking tired and so I would just talk to anybody who would listen and I remember thinking, like, I just wish someone would tell me what to do. I wish someone like could at least like my mom was divorced, but that was different. She divorced after 17 years and three kids, like, because the amount of people who were like, oh, you didn't try hard enough. I'm like, well, what is trying hard 10 years and two kids? Like, what am I supposed to do to make you think I tried hard enough? And so I started to talk about it. And then it became like this crazy thing where all of these people were like reaching out to me or being like, Hey, you should talk to my cousin. Cause like, she's in a really shitty situation and doesn't know what to do. So I essentially became the person I had been hoping to find for myself. Um, and basically just since then has been like, I'm going to talk about everything. Like I will talk about therapy. I will talk about fertility. I will talk about issues with your parents. I will talk about all of that stuff because what is the fucking point in not like, who are we helping, you know? But it just was like such a, it is very damaging and I'm lucky. I know that I'm strong and I know that I'm self-confident, but it is really, really hard for essentially you to start to grow into a person you really, really, really like, and then have someone tell you like, don't, don't do that. You know? And I almost fell for it. Like I really almost fell for it. Um, I almost adjusted those behaviors and I almost like changed the core of who I am and um I'm obviously so glad I didn't but I still have to like fiercely protect it because it's easy it's like what is that like boiling a like frog how, how to boil a frog like right whatever put it in the water and then like slowly raise the temp like it is you have to be careful because that sort of like psychological manipulation and breakdown happens slowly over time it doesn't happen all at once um but yeah, it, it, uh, it just is this idea of like, I, I really worked hard. And there's this book actually that I love. It's called Creativity, Inc. Um, it's about the guy who started Pixar. And they talk about failure and like how we essentially like, in order to not fail, we choose safer options because we're so afraid of like that, you know, tag of failure. Um, and that's essentially what I did. I created myself a safer life to never have like a roller coaster. And essentially by doing that, I put myself on a very intense roller coaster. <laughs> there
1: you go. Everything you're saying is so relatable. Like just I and and I will acknowledge you for how succinctly you say it. I'm definitely somebody who's like blah 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 blah. And like the dots connected and the way that you have been able to to narrate your story is um it's just super relatable. I just appreciate it so much. Um, and on my own end, it's like, (sighs) I don't know. I feel an exhale, like such a sigh of, um, normalcy for like having had done the same thing in a totally different form. Um, and so I just, Exactly what you said of like sharing your story helps people feel more like you didn't say that, but that's what I heard. I feel that and I'm appreciative because fucking it up in your 20s, I'm like, can we just say fucking it up? Period. Because I'm like, (laughs) like I'm way past my 20s and on many levels, I think, um, I, you know, on paper, it could look like I've fucked up a lot of stuff and I continue to. And I loved the part, there's a lot, but I loved the part where you, I can't remember exactly how you said it, but like when you start to step into being who you actually like yourself to be and then other people are like, oh no, no. Like what? That's not, no. Um, I'm feeling that hard, hard right right now. Um, and so I just, I feel like you're speaking to me and giving me permission, even though I don't need it, but I did do, um, to just keep going. So thank you.
2: Well, and we, especially for women, we are so conditioned to be, you know, sweet and kind and, you know, um, uh, um, uh, accommodating, you know? And so my, that, my, uh, best friend, um, she has a five-year-old daughter who is, uh, she's a spitfire in like all the best ways, excuse me. And, um, my mom actually so obviously my mom knows my best friend very very well um and she's my mom sent me this thing about my best friend's daughter and it says she goes uh this made me think of megan who's my best friend she said to the mothers of stubborn little girls with fierce attitudes don't put out that fire they will need it and it's just like that like it like made me choke up when she sent that to me because it's like yeah like there is nothing wrong with that That is amazing. We should never dull that. And like, I am going to cry when I say this, but like Janelle, like that's how you changed my life because I had spent, excuse me, years in corporate America where I was legitimately told like, uh, yeah, we just need you to be like 10 to 20% less of yourself. And this happened literally at the same time that I was going through a divorce. So while from my personal life, someone was telling me, I don't like basically who you are, I went to work and they said, I don't like who you are. And then all of a sudden, I remember Janelle being like, hey, like, obviously, you know, a much larger conversation, but like, would you be interested in auditioning to be a cycle instructor? I love your personality. Like, I love it bigger, more. And like, your only, the only feedback, and I'm sure it wasn't your only feedback, but like the feedback I remember you giving me when I did like my audition or my demo or whatever it was, was like let it out, with me. like, go, like, more and more, and I just remember being, like, what the fuck is she talking about, like, I've so worked to contain this, and then to have this space where someone was, like, not only do I see it, but I like it, was, like, at such a pivotal moment in my life, like, kind of was the, you know, booster I needed to, like, continue on, it's, like, oh shit, no, no, my personality isn't wrong. That fucking audience is wrong. And that's not on me. I can pick a different audience. Like middle finger to y'all. I like, no, if you can't handle it, that's your
0: issue, not mine. Anyways. No, I, one, thank you for sharing that. I, when you you sent like in an email briefly about that, i like, I'm gonna cry because- half the time, I think in life, I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And to your point, I feel like getting to run that studio, even though there was, I mean, we talked about in the podcast, but there's so many things like underneath that I was just like going through and trying to break open. But I think that was part of it is I also have very much had like a bolder personality. Like, I think, I think actually I was really like, I was a people pleaser and I still am working on it, but like, I was actually really good at boundaries, but I got rejected or like pushed back for having boundaries and for like going after what I wanted and having that space even I think at Spire where that in that industry those types of things are celebrated more um was really cool but I also think the funny part is I was telling everyone else to do that and I wasn't doing it for myself like I was like put yourself out there be more and then I'm like and I'm just gonna keep shrinking into the background and disappearing <laughs> but like i probably the message that I was giving everyone else was like the message I needed for myself and wasn't ready to take yet but well, you I know, really the, appreciate those who, that those who can't do teach
2: <laughs> <laughs> no ma'am Janelle I will say holy crap I think I've said the phrase like the the amount of times in the last two or three years so if I took over as psycho program manager and what the beginning of 18 or 19 I can't remember
0: I left at 18, so probably 18? around there.
2: Yeah, whatever it was, the amount, and then like just got progressively deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into like the what can be the Spire Vortex. Um, I just the amount of times I was like, we did not give Janelle enough credit for the <laughs> shit she was doing, you guys, because my head is spinning and she did this every day. Yeah, it is. You know, it's also very strange to, and I will say, Spire is probably like the most wonderful thing thing in my life, but also one of the most challenging. It is so hard to love something so, so much and have to like really put boundaries around it to preserve yourself. Like it, that, that is an interesting thing to do especially with like, what is not one other human being which is like, you know, it's an entity that you're, like, I essentially spent the last however many years like in a relationship with Spire Fitness Um, and I'll be honest, there were times that it took a lot more than it gave, but I think when you like, when you, I don't know, it's hard because like when you are so accepted by a community, you essentially will like give and give and give. And it wasn't the community that was taking from me at all. It was just like, it's a goddamn small business and that shit is hard. And, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, that i will say i i will very emotionally say that um that spire and like the people there really were like the thing that i think pulled me up from the depths because like yeah so like i can you know 10 years later almost sit and tell you that i um got myself out of a bad situation you know what i mean because i did and i fought fought really hard for it and um i I did do it but i was depleted when I got out, I was at nothing. I, my job was suffering because I couldn't basically like stay focused for any amount of time. I, I, yeah, I, I had fought to say that I think who I am is good enough, but I didn't know how to then like build on that or execute anything around it. I, I was at absolutely zero. And I think I went a year between the first <clears throat> from, this probably a little over a year And in that year, I mean, I made like wonderful new friends that are still like some of my absolute best friends, but my friend Alexa uh, sent me a message that was like, hey, there's this new place, do you wanna try it? And I was like, yeah, uh, now that I don't, now that I'm not literally running away from another human being, I don't like running that much. Um, But physical activity has always been like the way I have processed and, um, you know, taken care of myself. And we went and I just was like, fuck yeah. And I was like in deep from the moment I got there. And I can't even tell you what it was. It just was like all of a sudden, I don't, I have a memory of going the first time. And then I just, from there, it was like, I was going all the time. And I still was like really raw. I was still like running into people who knew my ex-husband. I was still like sometimes running into him, which now seems like so foreign. It just is like, that's such a chapter that doesn't even apply to my current life. But um. Yeah, man, it is. It is truly like for me, it is a place that um, that saved me from like kind of falling into some depths of some pretty intense depression.
1: It is pretty crazy how one we've been talking a lot, Janelle and I, over the last like six months to a year, because time is um, a very strange thing. Now, um, about community help, so like self help and then community help, and the idea of like a lot of times self-help is just like, you got to do this yourself and you got to, which you do, like you you own your own personal development and all that stuff. But there is an element of that external support, the community, like being seen that is just uh, unlike anything else. And when it's done from that place, um, what I hear you saying of like, seeing you for who you actually are, loving you for who you actually are, it's like, holy shit. And it doesn't, you know, it need, you know, you still need to do your own stuff, but it's wild. And I know for me, Spire, Spire was that place. Too. It was like this landing place for me too. And it's, it is really crazy to think back. It's almost like empire records are like a band. Like there's so many people who like came around right at that time who were in these like kind of similar, but different places that all were just like, we don't really know how to do this, but we're going to do it. And we're going to just make this space be that. And like, it's a big fucking experiment anyways. So like, who cares? And I don't know, I I, myself too, like that time was a pivotal turning point for me of stepping into who I actually am and being able to be an advocate for that with anyone that I met and have it be like, yeah, that's a, that's a thing we, we want to create too. And so I, Uh, it is pretty magical actually.
0: Yeah. I think the beauty about space and like, you know, I appreciate the the call out to me, but also because I was so young and I mean, I was really trying to pretend I knew like I was what I was doing, but on the inside, I was like, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. (laughs) Um, And so a lot of what I think came from that was just like knowing that I was just open to like all these people that were coming and like people would just say, and not that I said yes to everything, but I think for the most part, someone would have an idea and it's just like, oh, I don't know. Let's try it. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I should know if that's a good idea or a bad idea. I'm like, how do we know? I don't know. I guess we just do it. And then we decide if it works after we do it. And like that approach, I think, to running a business, to life, to also just allowing like the people that are raising their hand. And I mean, if we go back to our Culver's example earlier and like asking for something and just being like, sure, like let's figure out if it worked or didn't, but like, why don't we try it? Um, And I think in our lives in more like corporate structures or formal structures, people are really afraid of failing. And I mean, I'm definitely afraid of failing, of course, but again, because I just knew I didn't, know what I was doing like it was either we didn't do anything or we tried it and it worked or we tried it and it failed but like I was really open to that because I think I had I don't know if it was acceptance because again I outwardly was really 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 trying not to make sure people knew I had no idea what I was doing but like but inside I was like I don't know what else to do other than just to give things a shot and like see how they go um and and the ideas that everyone else came to me with were really what i think helped build that environment and i basically just said yeah
2: (laughs) i just said yes i think that you also like you also were very much so of like yeah if you have that idea like i'm empowering you to go figure it out because and i'm going to butcher this example and i hope janelle that you can provide more context to it but Okay, so when I became the psycho program manager, uh, I had no fucking clue what I was doing because the person who had done it before me was Danielle, who was like revered, you know what I mean? And then I was like, oh, what's up? Your girl's on the scene. I had no clue. Like, Danielle is the kind of person that when she steps up on the stage, like a uh, spotlight hits her. I don't know where it came from, but like it just descends from somewhere and hits her, you know what I mean? And she is what you think of when you think of a cycle instructor. Like a spin instructor is, that's what you think of. And then there's me. And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm not super, like my brand of motivation is like not gonna be good on like a Peloton screen, I'll say, you know, like it's just different. It's like way, like it's more sarcastic and whatever. Anyway, so I was like, am I gonna be any good at this job? which I will do a quick side story on that job. I fucking loved that job, dude. Like, because all you're doing is mentoring, you know? And I would tell people when they'd come through the program, when they'd started, because they started it with stars in their eyes and they were psyched. They couldn't wait. They had listened to music and they definitely had some ideas. And, but I was like, I'm going to be honest with you. The next eight weeks is going to be 80% you crying. 10%, we're going to talk about the format of how to teach a cycle class. And then the next 10% is, I'm gonna teach you how to count music. That's the building blocks of what we're doing here today. But one of the first people that I had in this experience was Alia. And what I, and I mean, Alia is like a literal true light in this world and like watching her grow up makes me feel very, very emotional. Um, But essentially the context I had gotten was I had held auditions, I think, which again, I had absolutely, like, thank God you were there to do it, Janelle, at first, because I had no clue what that, I would have been like, come on down, y'all. So we held auditions, and then I think I went to Florida or something like that. Like, I think I went on a family vacation, like, immediately afterwards, and while I was there, I got uh, an email from you, Janelle, that was like, hey, essentially, you're going to do, like, there's this one more audition that you're going to do. Uh, and you like put me on an email thread where, again, I, I am butchering the, the, the you know, true nuance of this story. But essentially, as we all know, the fitness industry, especially a boutique fitness studio in the third ward uh, of Wisconsin is, uh, it's, it's pretty white, my friends, you know, and um, Alia at the time, I think was like in her early 20s. And she essentially was like, this shit is black, like, this sucks. And I don't like feel comfortable. Like what, what, what are you doing to help this situation? And Janelle's response was essentially like change begins with one person stepping up and trying to make a difference. So like, you are correct. We do not have very great one body diversity at the time. And two, like there is no racial diversity here. You are absolutely correct. I'm not saying that you're not I do not have the solution to that problem. I acknowledge it is a problem. I don't know what to do in this moment. I would love to like collaborate, but like an easy first step would be audition. Come on down, like do it. And I remember being like a little bit put out because I was like, I just got through all these auditions. (laughs) Let's do another. And, um, but from the second that Alia stepped on that stage, like she just, And now in hindsight, it's like she was young. You know what I mean? Like she did not like look like the other people who had been up on the stage. And she got up there with such confidence that I just was like, fuck it. Yep, I'm in. I'm bought in. So we went through that training process. And what happens is confidence starts at, let's say on a scale of one to 10, confidence starts at an eight or nine because you're psyched, right? Like you are so excited. Before you auditioned, you were like starting to like count music in your car. And like, you were like in the front row, always on beat, you know, like, so you are, you're basically in your mind, you're already a cycle instructor. You're like, I did it. So then confidence as you go through the program starts to fucking plummet because you realize it's hard like you realize it's much harder than you thought. And it's overwhelming and a lot of people are looking at you. And so Alia's confidence just went into the pooper, you know, and we did her. So what you do is you go through like eight weeks of training um, where you get, you know, two songs a week and then you practice those songs. You you learn them, you're taught the two uh, tracks, the two profiles you team teach them with a different instructor later in the week, and then you those cycle repeats for about eight weeks. And then you make your own class, you teach that class to uh, internal staff. So the demo ride, you teach it, and then you do two free community rides to obviously the community. So we did Alia's demo ride and it was, and she will agree with me when I say this, because we've talked about it, a literal dumpster fire. like. I mean, to the point where like we were a couple tracks in and I was like, just cut it. Like in my mind, I was like, just don't let's not even finish this because this is painful for you. This is painful for us. And there's absolutely no way I'm going to green light this. And so we had like a total, uh, come to Jesus. And it was like, I don't know if you didn't prepare. I don't know if you didn't take it seriously. I don't know if you're doubting yourself and you're manifesting it outward, but whatever that was that needs to go away like take that and put it in a deep dark cave and we'll never ever do that again and i went back and did her she did a second she was like i i want to try again so we did a second demo ride, just me and her on easter because i like left like my family's like easter brunch i mean we're not religious it's really not a big deal just an excuse to eat ham um and went and did it and it was like a completely different person had arrived on the scene she was incredible because she had chosen to believe in herself and we talk about it still we talked about it a couple months ago and she was like that was like a turning point in my life like of if you're gonna do something don't show up in half-ass it like if you're going to take other people's time and energy and and take space up then do it like you fucking mean it you know like don't don't pussyfoot around it. Cause what is that doing for anybody? It was a waste of my time and hers. Um, but that to me is just like, that is the thing that I learned, you know, and it's true. Like I think of it all the time. And I've used that Alia example with essentially every single person I've trained since. And I think about it in life too. It's like, okay. Yep. I get where it came from. She was insecure. So instead of risking trying very hard and failing, She self-sabotaged to create the self-fulfilling prophecy of like, I fucked it up, I knew I would. I mean, aren't we all guilty of that? That is literally what my marriage was, you know? Like, I was like, I was so afraid of failing at like the perception of what I was supposed to be doing that I created like a total sham, you know? And it's just like so much braver to try and fail than it is to like do something, either a lesser thing or do it in a lesser way because you're afraid who gives a shit? Uh, What was the worst that happened? Like, she had to have a weird conversation with me. I was never going to put her in a situation where she'd fail in front of everybody, you know, in front of the community. It was safe. You can take those steps and be, you know, and that's the other thing. And this is a whole whole different topic, but I'm just going to say that is my biggest issue with social media. Like, we know it's optional, right? Like, we know you don't have to put everything on there, correct? And I think it's different for like old ladies like us, but like, you don't have to share everything. You can privately try things. And then if you wanna share a success out, that's fine. But like, don't make decisions based on what it's gonna look like externally. Oh my God, but I totally, again, guilty, was afraid of like changing this name back on Facebook. That's why you just delete facebook you guys just delete it it's fine um but yeah it's just like we all need to not only seek out safe spaces but we also have to like create safe spaces and like janelle you helped create it for me rachel you helped create it for me i worked very hard to help create it for other people and like i know that everyone there is continuing. It's like you pay it forward because you have the awareness to say like this space allowed me to grow. And I want that for other people because my self-development has been lovely. And I am very, very proud of myself. I am so much more fulfilled when I think of like Alia and everyone else, you know, and like even watching Katie, how much Katie's grown. um, It has been just like a true delight. And, but that is like, that is community. I mean, if I could sum it up, like that is for me, that is community where it's like the joy of watching the people around you build up is like in a lot of ways more fulfilling than like the, what I see in the mirror, you know, right, wrong or indifferent, I'm not sure.
0: If you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, you know I'm pretty obsessed with Whoop. Whoop is a wearable that tracks your heart rate variability and will give you a ton of data around your strain, your recovery, your sleep. What's different about Whoop compared to other wearables out there is that the data it gives you is very in-depth and it's really giving you a holistic picture of what your day-to-day strain is from the second you get up to the end of the day not really just your workouts or giving generic metrics around steps for example that can be good if you just want to get up and moving but if you're really training for something or you want deeper insights whoop is amazing. They even have a journal feature that'll tell you what behaviors you do throughout the day and how they affect your sleep and recovery. But one of my favorite things about Whoop coming from the fitness industry where people are really always just encouraging you to push, push, push is it was really permission giving for me to actually take a recovery day. If I woke up with a low recovery score deciding, hey, I'm not going to run today. I'm actually going to rest because that's what my body needs and that aligns with my goal of longevity with my body. If you are interested in getting your first month of whoop free, as well as a free whoop strap, we're going to drop a link in the show notes. And if you have any questions, feel free to DM me at L Reese on Instagram. You're lighting so much stuff up inside of me right now. One, just the same you are. I mean, everyone knows I'm like trying to find a job and this is like a whole thing. And I've, Rachel's already talked about it all week, but I've been experiencing a lot of anxiety around it for multiple reasons, but um, the call out to safe space. And I don't know, like, so the corporate world, you were kind of alluding to it. Like a lot of my anxiety right now of getting a job is because I, basically what you just said today, so this conversation is like, um, I'm scared to go back into the corporate world after I've done all this work on myself of like being okay with who I am and being not more than okay I'm like I woke I've been waking up lately and being like I fucking love who I am which if you would have asked me back in July like we <laughs> we were having this conversation and everyone's like I love who I am and I'm just like I'd be pissed if I died tomorrow <laughs> So I mean you know the evolution of like the you know past year basically I even mean, less than a year has been, so tremendous, but then going into these job interviews where I feel like I'm supposed to perform again. I feel like I'm supposed to be that shell of like who I am just to get people to accept me or to want to hire me or want to work with me or to take me seriously. And I mean, that was one of my biggest hurdles in my life of like, I need to be this professional person. I need to be a robot so that people will take me seriously. Um, and like, I just don't want to do it anymore. And you were just reminding me as you were talking about Spire. And again, maybe this was all like my internal, like turmoil (laughs) being projected to try to create it for other people. But, um, I feel like I'm having a big, like unlock right now (laughs) of, um, you know, you're going through these interviews and it's like, people want, like, I can say the bullshit, right. I can say the thing that I know you want to hear so you can hire me. I know how to do that. I don't want to, because what I actually want is like, why aren't we hiring for passion? Like for hunger? Why aren't we trying to like hire for who they are as a person? And like, yes, of course you need technical skill sets, but what I feel like you're highlighting right now to me in my mind is that's what we did at Inspire. Like we, like they needed like some, you know, they kind of had to be able to count music or li- to listen to it, but really it was just like, we would look at a person and be like, you have an energy to you. You have a presence to you. You have whatever and they weren't all the same like we had I think we had like a variety of personalities like yes definitely to the diversity conversation like we needed to improve that from many standpoints but it's not like all of our instructors were the same type of person but it was like you just see like this spark in them and it was like that I can mentor that and I don't know I just wish in more spaces that's what we were looking at the individual, the person, like what they could bring to the table and not just like, tell me about a time. I don't know. And I asked all these questions before too, but like, I don't know that you did a marketing campaign. It's like, what about me? <laughs> and not in like a, a self-serving way, but like, do you want to work with me? Would you fucking like me as a human? Like, what? do we get value the same things? I don't know. Like, why aren't we talking about that? Cause I'm really like, I can do marketing. I'm good at marketing. people have hired me for marketing, but do you like, I don't know. Anyway, I'm going down a rabbit hole.
1: (laughs) I am going to say what you said about um, Alia, which is, yeah, the world is that way. And how does it change? It changes by one person choosing to step up and do it different. I think that's why I decided, one of the reasons why I decided that I wanted to shave my head and I wanted to approach things differently so that, because I know that me... Because it, one, I think I look sexy as hell with a shaved head. So, uh, uh-huh. and <laughs> and two, I know that when I step into a space and I see, don't get me wrong, like I see the looks from people, I experience it on the daily. I've experienced it every single time since the first time that I lost all my hair, and and parents pulled their kids closer to them because they didn't know what to think, and and if I stayed longer people also got to see how big my fucking heart is. And it ch- totally changed their perspective. And then they were like, oh, wait, somebody get, and again, like, I'm just going to use my cliches. Like somebody who is 38, who still looks 14 with a shaved head can step into a room and own the space and have something wise to say. And not because I am an expert, but because I know how to hold the space for you To connect to your own wisdom. And all of a sudden it's like, what's happening right now? And it's happened a lot. So I just share that as like, you can do this. You don't need me to tell you that you already know it. And um, I don't know, that's my, that's the thing I'm committed to being for, for the rest of my life is the version of me that I know is who I actually want to be that steps into spaces where they they want me to wear my curly, cute hair and da, 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 And I'm just not going to, not as a fuck you as a, because it doesn't have to look that way.
2: Well, yeah, that's like the whole thing is that we have this, and that's my other like real grievance with social media is like, we have this like idea of what things are supposed to look like and why shouldn't they look uh, otherwise? Like I'm not what, I mean, maybe, maybe now more than I'm in my mid thirties, but like, I wasn't what like a divorcee looked like, you know, and that's not like right or wrong. Um, Quick side story. Very funny. Um, My stepmother told me that it was best to get that first marriage out of the way quickly. I need you to know her first marriage is to my dad. So, and I'm still waiting for her to make good on that promise. Um, But like, that's a, that's a huge thing. Like it's, um, In, in, in corporate America, I felt like I didn't look or talk the way that I was supposed to. I mean, I definitely have had that multiple times, both within myself and then with, with other, um, women at Spire, um, where like, well, I don't look like what people. And I remember one of, one of the girls that I trained said to me, like about halfway through her training, she got very, very insecure. And she said, um. I look out at the people in the class and so many of them look more like what an an instructor should look like than me. I'm like, then we change what we think an instructor should look like, you know what I mean? Like I'm not a fucking size zero. I legitimately ate cake for lunch yesterday. You know, like it just, we just, we have to change what those, what we think those things are supposed to look like. Like, cause then also flip it. When what I said to her was like, what is a cycle instructor supposed to look like? Because if you tell me it's thin and what, you know what I mean? Like, what do you, I've learned that is the thing that I I will say of all of of the very few gifts I feel like I was given by corporate America. That was one I learned was like, ask people when it feels like you're running up against a wall constantly, the turn it around, ask someone, what, what do you expect the outcome to be? Like I did it a ton. Well, I just, uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't think you didn't, you don't look divorced. You don't look whatever. What, what does that look like to you? Tell me, verbalize it because I bet that you can't. And if you do the words out of your mouth, I'm assuming you're going to wish you haven't said them, you know, like what does a cancer survivor look like to you? What does a 38 year old look like to you? You know, What does an employable person look like to you? And that is honestly, Janelle, that's exactly my whole thing about like 10% of cycle training is I'm going to teach you how to to count music. The rest is that you are going to figure out that you can do this, that you're confident, that you're worth it, that you have something to share with these people. Like I could teach you, I most likely could teach anybody how to count music. I mean, I'm not like, Danielle taught me how to count music, like in her car on the drive home from class. You know what I mean? Like, it, those things are not hard. It's how do you hold space? How do you handle um, an issue? How, what will you do if someone gets hurt in your class? What will you do if someone feels like they can't do it and they're overwhelmed and they start to cry? What will you do if someone tries to leave? Like, what are you going to do in those situations? I can teach you how to count music. It's okay. Like I can teach anyone how to like monkey punch in an Excel spreadsheet, you know, But it's like, how do you, what are the right questions to be asking? What, what are the right ways to like show up? It is, it's just not as complex as we make it seem, you know? And Janelle, don't fucking go back to corporate America then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't do it. If it doesn't, like I said for a thousand years, I hate corporate America. It makes me feel shitty. It, I don't think I'm right for this. I, I legitimately didn't know if people actually liked their jobs or if it was just like a sliding scale of hate. Like I now work for a company that has a max of 60 employees and like they act, people actually care, you know, like there are alternatives. Don't do not enter into something that makes you feel icky because why, why bother? If you fight so hard for like yourself in other situations, why would you willingly put yourself into like a, a shit storm that like before it even has begun has made you feel bad about yourself.
1: Whitney, I also want to just acknowledge you that your, your ability not to be afraid, your ability not to be afraid to hold that space of, like you don't put your fear onto people. Like you believe that they are these things. Like I even feel just sitting here with you right now not trying to be a cycle instructor, but just like in the th- weird things I'm stepping into in my life of just like, I feel the belief in me. Al- always. I-, I always feel that from you. And that is that is also uh, it's a really big gift. And so I just I really want to acknowledge you for for that because imagine if the world was full of, you know, managers, employees, friends, parents who chose not to be afraid for the people in their lives, but chose to actually, believe in them like truly believe in them like that shit changes the world
2: well yeah it's you can't be threatened by I had a boss who told me and it stuck with me that the best the best thing she could do for her the perception of herself was to have all of us do really well um and she actually like executed to that and then I had a ton of people who didn't but I, my last position at Kohl's, I was a manager and I loved it. And that's a huge reason why, when they, what the, the offer that they gave me, cause it was round one of two of their layoffs and the offer they gave me was like, you ha- you will have a job. You will have the same salary. We're just going to demote you. So to me, that was, I wouldn't manage people anymore. And I was like, well, that's the only part of this job that I like. So no, I'm out. Um, and like, I loved the people I managed because it wasn't like their successes meant more than I was never going to be the person who would like steal their information and say it in a meeting. I would bring them to that meeting because people did that for me and it changed things for me. And that's the whole thing too about like when I was, when I was the program manager at Spire was like, I don't need to be the best psycho instructor here. I'm not, you know, like I need every single one of you to be great for who you are and for like this business to run well, but like, it can't hang on, you know, on one person. The job of a manager is to make their people good. Like my current boss at my, at my company is like, I literally can't say enough good things about him because he's legitimately the expert in the industry. Like he is so smart, so capable but he is the best manager. And it's like, you, ne- you very rarely see those two things together. Um, he like wants me to do well and is not like pissed if I fuck up, you know? Like for him, we had this like sort of weird um, data dump this week for like an hour and a half, close to two hours where like, he was giving me all of like the tools I needed to basically do better in my job. And this little part of me was like, he thinks I'm a fuck up. And it's like this total like giant corporate America, like I have not, I, I, I showed I wasn't perfect. So now I shall be blacklisted. But it was like, no, one, he does not truly think that at all. And two, any failure, because what he said to me was like, it's my job to provide you the tools to do your job. And I missed, I wasn't providing you the tools that you needed. And so things haven't, like, it's like, essentially, it was like, I wasn't able to answer questions like two and three, a client might have. Like a client would have one question, I could answer it, they would dig a little deeper, and then I wasn't able to provide the solution to that. And so he was giving me that where to go for that information. And he he owned that as his failure, not mine. And that's a good manager, you know, and that's also like a good partner and a good, you know, it's like, there is not there is, what is the point of like being on an island and like, like I'm successful and no one trusts me. And I had another boss who said to me, which I, I, he meant it in a business way, but I think it's so applicable in life, which is when faced with someone who has a differing opinion than you, you can choose to one barrel through them. And when you have a personality like mine, that's easy to do, you know, So you can choose to barrel through that person and you get your way, but you're only getting your way that one time. Or you find a way to step to the side of that person, negotiate, turn them in the direction you want them to go and walk that way together. And then you can do that again and again and again and again, right? um and that just like stuck with me because I spent so much of my childhood being overbearing and very big and you know like kind of alienating myself out of relationships because I didn't know how to be more nuanced um but I think it is it's like especially you know big personalities and uh, loud opinions are very very good it's just like
0: the way in which you yield that power and sometimes you might not get there, but like, can you both have a differing opinion and right. still like walk the path together, which I appreciate this, this conversation. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot you know, lot for me. So thank you. Um, to be mindful of time though, Whitney. You don't yeah. want to talk to me all day? I actually really do and could because I don't feel complete in this conversation, so we should probably just continue to catch up, but girl got places to be and we said 90 minutes. (laughs) This this coffee cup's been empty for a while. I know. But Whitney, Hmm. how do you live your true north in one word? This was hard
2: for me, Um, but the word that I kept coming back to for, for now, for this moment is grace, both for myself and for others.
1: I love it, Whitney. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that?
2: So, uh, drop the I PO do, box. Drop the PO box. <laughs> PO box. Um, I will have a real mailing address in one week, but I don't think you want to write me a letter. Um, as much as I should talk social media, I do. I am on the Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is Sweet Wit, which I feel like I just want to explain very quickly because I am not sweet. Um, but it is a call to um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where if you've never seen it, there's like one chick and four dudes and they call her Sweet D. And forever, I'm always like one chick with a bunch of guy friends. So, Sweet wit. That is where it came from, if anyone's ever curious. Because I'm not I'm, Sweet. And that's very weird for me to say out loud. Sweet wit. You
1: are Sweet. Yeah. Hate
0: <laughs> break it to you. <laughs> Whitney, what does sweet look like <laughs> <Yeah>. to you? <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> you are awesome, though. Yeah, Thank you so seriously. much for playing with us. This is, um, yeah. I I feel like in my own turmoil again right now. I'm taking a lot from this conversation mm-hmm, to process. Outside of- I'm blessed. I mean, that's why we're here. Yep. Is. You guys it's just so fun. I know, Where right? You squeeze you. I know. I know. This has been another episode of the true north collective podcast for more from Rachel and I check us out on the gram at the true north collective underscore, and make sure you're signed up for our mailing list. You can do that at the true north collective.org to stay up to date on all of our resources, tools, and upcoming events. We appreciate you being here with us. We'll see you next time.